The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. During the, the praise and worship, I really felt a bit of a shift in things and started to make some adjustments as, as I believe we're supposed to make, you know, and, and so what we're going to do this morning is a little bit of what I call shooting from the hip. Now, it's not as loose and reckless as it sounds, but when you feel like you need to move in a direction, I think it's important to move in that direction. And you'll see that in the scripture. You'll see that God leads his people uh, by being in front and that they follow. I mean, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I call them my name and they follow me, right? You see throughout the, the Exodus, you see a the fire by night and the cloud by day, and they follow that. And we're all meant to be as believers, you know, the, those who have the right to be the sons of God will, will uh, follow the spirit of God. So we're meant to be spirit-led, meaning when God is leading in a direction, it's important to follow. So I really feel a direction that we're led in here. So there are massive changes and shifts. And now what happens when I start to feel something change and shift is that it comes in different order. So, you know, you, where I'm used to maybe one, two, three, uh, God's more like one, three, two, and I think it's just to keep you on the move and paying attention. So I want to shoot from the hip here, and I want to trust and believe for something great, and most of the time when that takes place, you realize when you're done, that's why you wanted to do that. Uh, so here's a few things we're going to find if we get in the Word. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write these things down. You can jot them down. Few things to either look forward to or to expect. Some of them might be intriguing to you because you might think, "Wow, that sounds like something I could use," and I, I want to uh, to pay attention to that. Those are, are things. First of all, let me just let you know the topic is a favorite topic of mine. You'll hear, you know, guys share that they have kind of a, a message that is their 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 favorite message or their their life message or something like that. Uh, this is definitely a favorite of mine. The topic, anyway. Uh, and so as we get into it, if I'm a little uh, enthusiastic, it's because I really enjoy this topic. I've seen this topic bring a lot of victory into people's lives, my, my own included, especially my own. And, uh, and I hope that it does the same for you. So uh, as we get into these things, you're going to find a few things. One thing you're going to find is the three things that God needs to be in your life in order to not have fear. My wife just laughed. Why did you laugh? You want to get up and share? Oh, it's a long one? It is long, yeah. yeah. I thought maybe she was laughing because, like, you know, she knows she knows this is a favorite topic, and she's probably heard almost everything that I've ever preached on it a thousand times. Three things that God needs to be. Now, here's the thing about this. Like, you come to church, and you hear about what you need to be, right? Well, you need to do this, and you need to be that. Now, these are things that God needs to be in your life, meaning that we need to grant him that. We need to allow him to be these things. We're going to see him in a single passage of scripture here in a moment, and then we're going to build off of that. And it's a really powerful and effective uh, thing that you can see. When you see it in front of your eyes there, you're kind of like, wow, how, how did I ever not notice that? And it, it's, it really has a tremendous impact. Another thing we're going to find is God's design for your life. And I'm willing to say your life because uh, it applies to everybody. It's not just, you know, one person or another person. It's not just Christians or, or, or not just... Uh, applicable to unbelievers. I mean, this is all life, and, and I think that you'll see why when we get there. But God has a design for life in general, specifically your life and my life as well. And when you see that design and you recognize that pattern, it can bring about a tremendous comfort. 
when things are going on, you can realize, wow, that's God at work, and I know why he's doing this. And then a third thing that you're going to find is what you will be. What you will be. Not what you are, but what you will be in any situation or any circumstance. What you'll be. And I think it's a good thing to have that solidified in your heart and, and in your mind as we go through the things that we endure. So I mentioned before, we're going to find three things God needs to be in your life in order to live a life free from fear. Now, fear is a, a word that I use a lot because I'm, I'm comfortable with it. But consider the lesser forms of it, right? Like, like anxiety, anxiety, worry. Worry is a real common word, right? Like we, we could use worry and it's kind of like low-level fear. But you'll be around people, and you can see people that are given to worry or that are, are generally considered worriers, right? And, and those are individuals that are aware of circumstances, and there's a concern with those circumstances prevailing, and so they worry. And I think concern is even a, a lower level than worry. So you have all of these tiers, but they all fall under the same category, and that category is fear. So when we talk about fear, I want you to consider all of those things you know, concern and, and worry and anxiety and then fear itself, all being wrapped into the same thing. Now, in Texas, we're capable of doing this, right? We do it with soda, right? Hey, you want a Coke? Yeah, I want a Coke. What kind do you want? I want a Sprite. It's like, okay. So we use, like, like brand names, and it just becomes like the identity for a whole genre of product, right? So as we use the word fear, I want you to include everything, include concern and worry and anxiety, all of those things, are all lumped in the category of fear. Now, when we get to this passage of Scripture, we're going to find these three things that God needs to be in order for our lives to be free from fear. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Psalm 27. I want to look at verse 1. Psalm 27, verse 1. Psalm 27, verse 1. Now, it's a psalm that we're going to read. I remember as a child we would sing this, and I love this psalm because it's set to music in my head. In fact, there are times when I'm driving by myself that I just burst into song and I sing this. Now, it's a dated song, and it would, it would sound, you know, a little unusual by today's styles and things like that. But, but it's a song that's in my mind and in my heart that has been put there since my youth. In, in times of, of concern or worry or anxiety or fear, this song tends to surface and I begin to sing it. I want to read the passage to you, and we're going to find a few things in this passage. Psalm 27, verse 1. It reads like this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the refuge of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? That's very poetic. I mean, it's very uh, encouraging to read. When you, when you hear those words, it, it's encouraging across the board. There's nothing about it that causes someone to, to feel any you know, guilt or shame or anything like that. It has nothing to do with anyone messing up or failing or making a bad choice. It's just a declaration of who God is and who he is to your life. And in this passage of scripture, you find out that he's your light and your salvation. Therefore, there's no reason to be afraid and that he's the refuge of your life. And so there's nothing that you should be afraid of at all. And when I look at this passage of scripture, I like to stop and just get past the encouragement and the warm and fuzzies and start to study it. So that it's not just something that makes me feel good, but I know why it makes me feel good. So that I can cooperate with it. So that I can see to it that it's not resisted in any way. And so that I can bring it into my life on purpose. And if I had a whiteboard up here, I would simply just write three things down. It would start with this. The title would be, The Lord Is. Right? In order to live a life free from fear, the Lord is. Well, in this case, one, my light. The Lord is my light. 
Two would be my salvation. Three would be my refuge. The Lord is my light and my salvation. I don't need to be afraid. The Lord is my refuge of what should I be afraid of. I see these three things and I start to ask myself in any time where there's worry or concern or, or fear, and you could even throw doubt in there because doubt is a point of fear. It's an entry point. And you can ask yourself these things. Is God, am I checking off these boxes? Is God my light in this situation? Is God my salvation in this situation? Is God my refuge in this situation? And if I can check off all three of those boxes, I promise you by the time I'm done checking off those boxes, there's no room for fear to be prevailing in my mind or in my heart. No room for anxiety, no room for worry, no room for doubt. So I want to talk a little bit about what these three things are. If God is going to be these three things, I want to know what those three things are so that, like I said, I can cooperate with this. I want God to be my light. Uh, remember, I told you it's a little bit of shooting from the hip, so I have some verses scratched out here on this paper. And I'm going to pull from them, but I want to paraphrase quite a bit. But I, I come for your notes, and you're welcome to turn there if you like. Uh, uh, here's a great passage of Scripture to turn to, and it would be uh, John chapter 8, verse 12. John 8, verse 12. Now, Jesus is speaking, and he makes this, this declaration, and this declaration is, uh, is one that we need to pay very close attention to so that we can apply it and allow Jesus to be our light and therefore be protected from fear. The declaration opens with Jesus identifying himself. He says, I am the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. If you follow after me, you won't walk in darkness. And then he offers a promise attached to this. Not just that you won't walk in darkness, but that you'll have something, that you will have the light of life. Now, if someone were to ask me, Preston, what is the light of life? I don't know that I have the answer to that, but it sounds pretty good to me. And I can show you where you can find it in the scripture to further identify its goodness and the nature of it. To even begin to understand what this passage promises. This passage promises Jesus himself. You'll find that in the first chapter of the Gospel of John. When John begins to open up saying, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It goes on to speak about Jesus, Jesus being the light, and that in him was the light of life. As we begin to see this promise that Jesus is the light of the world, and those that follow after him won't walk in darkness, but rather will have the light of life, we see Jesus is offering himself. So in any situation where there's fear, I have to ask myself, is Jesus the light in this situation? Now, we're still in that, that place of poetry where it doesn't exactly make sense. It needs to become a little more practical. And sometimes when it comes to the practical, it's important to look to the natural. I mean, I ask myself, what is light? What does it do? We've talked about light. I mean, like we've had the messages where we kill all the lights and we shine a light. You know, it's like, why can you see this light? Well, because it's overcoming darkness, right? And that's what the scripture promises. You'll find it there in John chapter 1. That the light entered into the world and the darkness couldn't win. Light always wins. But I want to consider just your eyesight. I mean, the fact that I stand here and, and you sit there and I can see you and you can see me. There's something that's happening that's making that possible and it all involves light. I mean, your eyesight is basically just the interpretation of the reflection of light. I mean, this sweater is purple, and, and you can see that purple because of the spectrum of the light that's reflected off of it. 
Uh, that's really what's going on. It could get really technical and really deep, but your sight is all about your brain reading and interpreting the reflection of light. When I look at a situation where there's fear and anxiety, I look at it and I have to ask myself, I'm seeing problem. I'm seeing uh, torment. I'm seeing hurt. I'm seeing wound. I'm seeing loss. I'm seeing all of these negative things that I might be dealing with. Why am I seeing that? Because that's what's reflected back to me. I need Jesus to be my light here where I see Jesus reflected back. Can I see his goodness? Can I see his mercy? Can I see his deliverance? Can I see his promise? Can I see him working in this situation? Do I see suffering and loss or do I see opportunity to bring goodness in the kingdom of God into this situation? And when the passage of scripture says that freedom from fear will, will all come when Jesus is my light, then I want that and I want that to be in my prayer life. Father, be my light in this situation. I want to see you reflected in this problem that I'm staring at. And it helps us have a perception of what's going on because there's always something going on past what can be seen. Somebody comes and introduces a problem or there's a challenge or a deficit or there's some sort of a, a fight that's taking place. And if we can look past what's right in front of us, we can probably see that point that we're called to be carrying Jesus into that situation. A place where we're meant to minister, a place where we're meant to bring healing, a place where we're meant to carry encouragement or solution. But if we live a life that only sees the outside, and the Bible calls that myopic, it means short-sighted, it means you only see what's right in front of you, you don't see past it. Then we live a life that's very limited, and that limitation is a hindrance to ministry. You'll see this throughout the scripture when you begin to catch it, because you'll see times where Jesus is put in positions where there's an attempt to cause compromise. And if he only looks at the surface, then compromise will be the situation. Here's just a very simple, basic example. Somebody who's caught in sin, brought before him. They were caught in sin, and the word says we should punish them with this. What do you say? Well, if you only look at what's right in front of you, what do you say? But if you look beyond it, if you look past it, that that means every single human being is subject to that punishment, then you see something altogether different. And it opens up a door for repentance. It opens up a door for mercy. So when it comes to Jesus being my light, I want Jesus to be that which illuminates what's in front of me. I want to interpret what I'm seeing through Jesus. I want you to be the reflection that is revealing what is going on. Nothing else. And now there's an interesting passage of scripture. It's a bit of a warning, by the way. And when Jesus gives a warning, it's important to pay attention to it. I mean, I don't think that... It's given casually or out of, you know, being high drama or out of panic. If Jesus says, hey, be careful, you should probably take notes, you know, because he understands that this is something that we're all subject to. It could be a problem for any of us at any time. I'll give you the passage of scripture that I'm referring to. It comes, again, from the Gospel of John. It's John 11:35. He doesn't use the word be careful. He uses the word watch out, right? And when you read it, you probably read it real quiet. Hey, watch out. But when I think of the words watch out, they normally have an exclamation point after that. <laughs> uh, it, it's as if if you don't uh, exercise caution, injury will be the result. Watch out, right? So he is saying watch out. And now what he's saying to watch out for is he says watch out that the light in you isn't darkness. 
kind of a strange thing to say. But when you start to think about it as we've been looking at it, it, it can make a little more sense that the light is simply reflecting what is in front of us. And if it's the darkness that's reflecting to my mind what's in front of me, I'm going to see ruin. I'm going to see loss. I'm going to see anger and rage and violence. I'm going to see lust and perversion. I'm going to see all the things that the world will reflect back to me. But if the light inside of me is Jesus, I can see opportunity for ministry. I can see life. I can see healing. I can see redemption. I can see freedom from captivity. I can see all of those things. Watch out that the light inside of you isn't darkness. I want the light inside of me to be Jesus. So that when I see these things that inspire fear, when I see these things that inspire worry or concern or doubt or, or any one of those levels of fear, when I see these things, the light that reflects those things back for my interpretation isn't darkness, but it's Jesus. And I can begin to see solution. The Lord is my light. Now, the second thing God needs to be is your salvation. If I'm checking off these boxes, one, he's my light. That means I see it through him, not through the world. The second thing is God is my salvation. The Lord is my light. He's my salvation. What do I have to be afraid of? I mentioned before we're going to find God's design for your life. I want to offer this to you. It's just God's design for anyone's life. Really, it comes from the Psalms. Uh, and I'm going to give it to you from uh, uh, Psalm uh, Excuse me, uh, 50, verse 15. Psalm 50, verse 15, is, is going to read something like this. It says, call upon me. Now, this is God speaking to you. And when we read this, I don't want it just simply to be read to you, but I'd like for you to consider that God is speaking this to you. I mean, if you were standing in front of Jesus and, and he were aware of everything that you've ever been through and everything that you're going through, and he's aware of everything that you ever will go through, and all of his love and all of his affection for your life, he would look you right in the eyes and he would say this. Call upon me in your day of trouble. I will rescue you, and you will honor me. I'll rescue you, and you'll honor me. I mean, that's my life. My life is just one string of, of victories and breakthroughs and deliverances after another. And they all result in praise and thanksgiving. To come and to sing songs about my living hope and all of these things is not just religious tradition or obligation, but rather it's the manifestation of me remembering everything good in my life. There are times where we'll praise and worship and I'll lift my hands because they're not in handcuffs. I'm free. And I'm free because of him and everything that he's done. I have all of these great, wonderful manifestations of God's goodness in and through my life, all because he's rescued me. And he's rescued me out of my trouble. My life, your life, it's all the same. There's going to be the challenges that can inspire fear. There's going to be the points that can inspire anxiety. There's going to be the things that can produce worry or concern. But when we face those things, making God first our light and then God our salvation, there's no room for fear to prevail. For God to be my salvation is not just to be born again, but it's that God will come and rescue. What a wonderful thing to remind yourself of when you're faced with doubt. God, your word promises that I will call upon your name and you will rescue me. And here I sit. A great word to use is Hosanna. You'll see it in the scripture. It means come and save. Your word promises, I call you, you rescue, and the result is thanksgiving. We use words like salvation to describe a one-time activity of being born again. But the reality is your life is meant to be one salvation after the next. 
overcoming and breaking through all of the things that would hold us back or that would, would tempt or that would open the door for compromise. And when we're faced with those times, when we're faced with those opportunities, when we're faced with that anxiety, worry, fear, doubt, concern, to call upon God and have him come and deliver is his promise. And the result is thanksgiving. As we move forward in the, the, the passages here that we've got, you've got these passages about God being your light and him being your salvation. This results in a freedom from fear. There was one more on this list that God needs to be, and that's your refuge. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? The Lord is my refuge. Of what should I be afraid? If I can check off the box and say God is my light, I'm interpreting all of what I see by his reflection, not the world's. God is my salvation. I see that he is the one that will deliver as he's promised. Now this third one, God is my refuge. This one's really amazing to me when you think about it. it it's so poetic to read that we can lose track of what it means. And because we live such different lives than once upon a time, so to speak, it, it can lose a little bit of its potency. But refuge is still a thing that we all have in our lives today. Where do you turn when you're stressed? Where do you turn when you're angry? Where do you turn when you're mad? Where do you turn when you're faced with any attempt to compromise? That's your refuge. You'll read the passages of Scripture that exist, and, and you'll see uh, when God has declared one's refuge, they run into him, and they are saved, meaning like they go to him when they're afraid. They go to him when they're angry. They go to him when they're compromised. They go to him when they're under attack, and that is where they're saved. I've had to ask myself before, what's your refuge? For someone given to my personality and, and attitude, a lot of times my refuge was me. I'll fight. I'll fight my way out of this. Let me tell you something. I make a pretty lousy refuge. <laughs> I got some fight in me, but it's pretty limited. The Lord is my light, my salvation. I don't have to be afraid. He's my refuge. And I have nothing to fear. I want to give you a few passages on refuge because I think it's an important thing for us to catch here. Let me give you a passage of scripture here uh, from Psalm uh, 118. I'm going to turn there myself. I'm going to ask that you turn there. Psalm 118. I want to look at verse 8. Where do we turn to when we're afraid? Those are the things that we could identify as our refuge. Here's a passage of scripture from Psalm 118, verse 8. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in men. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to even trust in princes. I mean, like the, the high-ranking government officials that could promise your defense and your protection. All of those promises are subject to change. They're subject to fail. But there's only one refuge that will never be shaken, that will always remain, and that will always prevail through any storm, through any trial, through any hardship, and it's Jesus. He's the refuge. I'll give you another passage of Scripture here, and I think that it's a passage of Scripture that is one that we need to make note of that we're going to close with. We're also going to find that third thing that we offer, and it's what you will be in any situation or circumstance where there's fear or anxiety if we can come to the place where the Lord is our light, our salvation, and we take refuge in him, you've got nothing to be afraid of. And it's confirmed in this final passage that we're going to read from Psalm 18. You're there at Psalm 118. Go back 100 Psalms. 
to Psalm 18. I, I want to begin in verse 2 and read verse 3 as well. This is a psalm that I also remember from my childhood. It was set to music in the churches that I grew up in. And the, there are times where this one too will come to mind. I'll just start singing this one. But to have this word in your heart is to have the opportunity to overcome fear and anxiety in any situation. Psalm 118, or excuse me, Psalm 18, uh, verse 2. I want to start here. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my rock in whom I take refuge. There's that word, refuge. He's my shield, my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who's worthy to be praised, and so I will be saved from my enemies. That last part is what you will be in any situation that you face where there's fear and anxiety. To make God your light, to make him your salvation, to make him your refuge will result in the fulfillment of that last line, so I will be saved from my enemies. I've got some bad news and some good news. The bad news is you have enemies. They hate you and they want to destroy your life, all because you're made in the image of God. And you're just one living, breathing, walking, wonderful glorification of our Heavenly Father. So they hate you. That's the bad news. Now the good news is the Lord is your light, He's your salvation, and He's your refuge. And you can call upon the Lord and you will be saved from your enemies. In a situation like you may be facing or a circumstance where there's fear, there's anxiety, there's worry, there's concern, to check off those three boxes is to close the door to all doubt. To be reminded that, God, you are my light. I want to see this. I want to see your reflection in this problem that I'm dealing with. I want to see Jesus instead of hardship. To make God your salvation. Father, I'm not trusting in anyone else to deliver. I don't put my trust in men. I don't put my trust in governments, but I put my trust in you. Is to open up the door for solution. And for God to be your refuge, I'm not running anywhere else. There's no other place I find comfort. Any other comfort that's offered to me is empty and vain, and it will disappoint me in the end. But I run to you. You're my strong tower, my rock, my defense, my fortress, and it is in you that I take refuge. Therefore, I will call upon the Lord who's worthy to be praised, and so shall I be saved from my enemies. It's a good passage to have right here. And then let it rise up to here. And then let it come out of here. Victorious. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I want to pray the prayer is that we check off those boxes at all times. That God be our light, that he be our salvation, that he be our refuge. And when you think about this, I mean, I'm a pretty structured thinker. It's kind of a mechanical thought process. It's not meant to be cold or, or robotic. It's meant to be released very relationally. But you can apply this into any situation. I mean, in child-rearing marriage and family, you could be having the, the most strenuous trials in a marriage. You could apply all of this. You could sit down together and say, hey, in this situation, is God our light? Are we seeing him working? Is he revealing garbage that needs to be dealt with so that we don't live the rest of our wonderful lives carrying this stuff around? Can we see Jesus reflected in the things that we're dealing with? And then to be reminded that God's your salvation, to say, hey, he promised that he would deliver. 
So everything that, that we're facing and everything that we're dealing with is, is just one more time in our lives where we fulfill his scripture, where we call upon him in our trouble, he will rescue us, and then we praise him and give thanks. One more source of gratitude so that we lift our hands in freedom and sing of his goodness. And is he our refuge? Are we turning to him or are we turning somewhere else? Are we seeking comfort in another? Are we seeking comfort in another place? Are we trading that which has got value and worth and can bring about victory for those things that are empty and vain and will only prolong the misery? And if we can face anything that we deal with and check off those three boxes, God, you're my light, you're my source of salvation, and you're my refuge that I turn to. We can't lose. And I like it when we can't lose. It's my favorite. I want to pray and I want to ask God to do that work in our hearts. He promises to work in our hearts. That means to change who we are. And he promises to renew our minds. That means to change how we think. You can't have one without the other. You want to change how you do things. You've got to change how you think. And I love that the scripture is so prom uh, uh, prolific in its promises to do just that. I want to pray for you. You're welcome to be in an attitude of agreement or, or simply receive the prayer. You can just simply be right there knowing that God is ministering. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the freedom from all fear and anxiety and all worry and doubt. All of those open doors for corruption, let them be closed with the truth. The truth that you have made a way for us to be victorious. Let there be inside of us a change and a transformation that we cooperate with this truth. That we could truly declare that you are our light, that you are our salvation, that you are our refuge, and there's nothing that we have to fear. And teach us how to celebrate you as light in our life, that we would begin to see you reflected in everything that we deal with. That we wouldn't see as the world would present that which would lead us into to fear and anxiety, but that we would see you and your hand moving. We would see your glory prevailing. And teach us to see your salvation, not as a one-time act, but to see it as a, a, a daily deliverance in our life, protecting us from hurt and wound and suffering. That we would truly be given to call upon you to see your hand deliver us from temptation and sin, and that it would result in praise and thanksgiving, that our lives would be filled with gratitude as you protect us and keep us from those things that are destructive. Let us be given to make you our refuge, that we wouldn't look to another. No other man, no other place, no other item, no thing would satisfy as a refuge, but that we would run to you and you alone. We would stop fighting our own battles and start surrendering to your victory. Let us find refuge in you and you alone. Let us trust in that victory that you've promised. Let us stand by and see you move on our behalf. We truly would run to our refuge and let our refuge be Jesus. We thank you for the freedom from all of this corruption. Let it not just be something that we stumble upon. Let it be that which we cooperate with. When we face and deal with these things, let our hearts be given to seek you as our light seek you as our salvation, seek you as our refuge, that we might see that victory that you promised, that every one of us might declare 
so shall I be saved from my enemies. And let it be for your glory. We bless your name and we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. All the saints declare it. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.